Hey there, this is the Shortlist Podcast on iTunes, Omni or whatever platform you listen to your potties on. We usually hang out with you from 4pm every Sunday on Sin 90.7. However, we're taking all our bits and pieces and popping them online for your convenience. We are Gloria and Ro and we're here to introduce you to all your new favourite artists. Hell yeah we are. We're digging into the inspirations, motivations and stories behind the bands on the way up. So come along for the ride. It's great to have you here. This is The Shortlist with Gloria and Ro, introducing you to your new favourite band. We are joined by Nick Brown, the bassist of Cable Ties. Thank you for hanging out with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Gloria and Rochelle. Oh, no problems at all. We're um, we're really, really stoked about uh, Cable Ties as a band and we've definitely, I know I've definitely been kind of following the progress of um, of the band since its early days. Um, so yeah, it's a real privilege to have you in here. And um, yeah, I feel like in terms of what our show is all about doing, I feel like you guys are perfect to uh, to showcase for that. We want to take it back right, right to the start. How did Cable Ties even come about? Yeah, that's a good question. Jenny and Shauna had kind of been playing in bands for years and they wanted to do a new thing together and they had a couple of jams and they had someone lined up to drum with them who didn't show up to either of those jams. And so Jenny was like, mm, well, you're around, so I guess you can join in if you like and you can know how to play bass, so maybe Shauna, instead of playing bass, you should play drums. And that was kind of that was how it started and it was just a bit of a jam to begin with and it kind of felt really good straight off the bat which is a nice thing and Jenny plays in another band called Wet Lips and they were having the first uh, event put on that they were calling Wet Fest which is now in its third well I guess it'll be heading towards its fourth year at the start of next year uh, and the idea was that there were a couple of people who were playing in band who, were, who weren't playing in bands who they kind of wet lips kind of nudged and were like well you should really if you're having jam if you're having a jam with someone maybe you should think about like trying to write a couple of songs and maybe you can play at the start of wet fest so that's what we did so you guys really kicked off i guess the careers of some other bands as well, we just nudge them in the right direction. I like well, that. Well, it, it was nothing to do with me. It was, it was, <laughs> it was all, it was all Wet Lips. Who, you know, that was that was also Shrimp Witch. They formed for that first one, and they're kicking a lot of goals at the moment. So, yeah, we were very lucky to to get asked to play and to be given that push that you sometimes need. Yeah, totally. Now to kind of like put things into a bit of a timeline, you sort of started out as almost like that backyard backyard show as part of. Um, Wet Fest put on by Wet Lips. And about a year later, you were hitting the stage at Meredith Music Festival. So that's a, like, you know, that's a lot of things that can happen in a year. Can can you take us through what, like, that, I guess, that preparation was like? To, as far as playing at Meredith? Well, we sort of, it was a little bit, it was a little bit longer than that. So it didn't quite happen in this, in the same year, but it was, a, it, it was, it was very, we were very lucky it happened kind of early in our thing as a band. We, um, yeah, we released a single uh, probably about this time last year, and some people on Triple R liked it and played it a bit. And then we got asked to play at Triple R to do a live to air performance, which was really cool. And not long after that, uh, Woody, who was the booker at Meredith, just shot us an email saying, like, mm, do you want to play at Meredith? And we were like, oh, gee, that sounds fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> that casually, just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, got nothing on on that weekend. Yeah, 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 it's pretty free. So um, we were we were beyond stoked to be asked to open Meredith. I've been going as a punter to Meredith for ten years, um, and have had a lot of very formative moments, both musically for me, but also as far as like 
with my friends and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was um it was pretty wild. <laughs> as someone obviously, as you said, a decade of going to Meredith as a punter and then stepping out on the stage, what was that feeling like? That initial feeling of kind of walking out there and looking out into the crowd that you'd been standing in for ten years of your life? Yeah, it was pretty wild. Um we, because we were on first, so they they run like a countdown clock behind the stage out to the audience, and so people count down in the audience to zero, and so you're behind the curtain, and then you, at zero, we kind of stepped out, and there were just thousands and thousands of people there who, understandably, like, r- ready to go, like, it's Meredith... Friday afternoon, it's time to kind of kick off your summer. And I, I kind of stepped out first and I had a beer in my hand and all I could kind of do was like force it into my face <laughs> as a way of kind of like attempting to cover the, the, the shock that was setting in on my face very rapidly. And then it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really good fun. <laughs> you noted yourself that you had a lot of formative experiences being a punter in the crowd, but, you know, to play a major festival is, I guess, one of like the first big ticket gigs as cable that must have been a really formative experience as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was um, it was a yeah, it was a super exciting kind of thing, um, and to kind of feel like as maybe like a little three piece band. Sometimes you're not quite sure whether or not you can kind of like, I mean, maybe cut it in front of a big unfamiliar audience. That's always a kind of thing when you play in small rooms and people really enjoy it. You're like, hey, that's really cool. Um, but then, you know, like translating that to something really big like Meredith is, uh, yeah, is a big unknown quantity. And I think um, our Paul, who was the sound engineer who recorded our album, uh, he said, he was like, oh, well, you know, like, why don't I come along and I can mix you at Meredith if you like. Um, and he doesn't mix live anymore. So he kind of came out of retirement. Oh. Um, in fact, he was probably upset with me for discussing it publicly because he's like, this isn't a return. I'm just doing this, <laughs> doing this as a one-off and this is it because, you know, I want to I wanna do this. And, and it was his uh, suggestion that we use as many amps as possible from the back line that they have at Meredith. So instead of playing through one amp each, we played through two amps each to um, kind of beef up the sound a little bit and to kind of have a whole lot of noise going on on stage. And yeah, I think that was um, an excellent piece of advice. And it, uh, yeah, it certainly made us feel really loud and really tough, which I think when you're going out in front of a big audience is a good feeling to have. Well, I, I did read in some reviews, and now I am a Meredith noob, as in I have no experience there whatsoever, but um, the Golden Boot Award, crowd awarded, uh, was people like lifting up their shoes to you guys while you're out there. And that's something that opening bands don't normally get. So you must have sounded pretty damn tough. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. It was, yeah, I, I, we were pretty surprised that people did that. And I think, I think the, I think the legend might be outgrowing the reality at a rapid pace. I think there might've been about like six or seven shoes up there. And by the time it had hit Monday afternoon and everyone was back <laughs> in Melbourne, it was about 15 or 20,000 shoes in the air. So I think I think everyone can just kind of like maybe like roll back on that one and not get too far ahead of themselves. It was I guess for us it was just the about the feeling of of going out there and and taking our little thing out there and it translating and making sense to a lot of people, which was which is an incredibly I don't know validating experience and I know for me personally I took me a long time to be comfortable playing live. It wasn't really something I was super interested in uh, to begin with, and I found it really difficult and kind of always felt like the essence of the band was 
gets very inward looking and it was about the three of us making something and that if we worried about that then the thing would be good and then that would kind of make sense to other people maybe i don't know but it was more about whether how it kind of felt for me between those people and less looking towards an audience for a reaction or a response and meredith was a bit of a game changer for me as far as getting feeling like actually feeding off that energy of that large group of people because they seem to be in tune with what we were doing which was quite a cool thing and then you kind of feed that you get to enjoy that and you feed that enjoyment back to them and they can see that you're enjoying it and it was yeah it was a very different gig experience it was pretty wild that's really really awesome um and so cool to hear like a first-hand experience too because i myself am am a meredith noob as well so (laughs) it's kind of hard to kind of know like what exactly uh goes on in that sort of thing um i would love to have a bit of a chat about your debut album um which is coming really soon it's out on friday may 26th um i've read that you recorded it in um pretty much the middle of winter out in a warehouse space can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so um paul mabry who recorded it and who is our very good friend has a uh, a, a studio warehouse out in fairfield called a secret location sound recorders and uh it's a beautiful space full of i guess a lifetime's worth of collecting musical gear um and yeah the the big room the big recording room is a very very large open warehouse space but with lots of lovely natural light but yeah it was the last weekend in june and it was super 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 cold and i get super cold Anytime the temperature dips below about 21 in Melbourne <laughs> and we kind of were set up there with these two radiator heaters near us and we we're in our like big winter coats and like beanies and I was wearing gloves between takes because I my hands get very cold because I've got kind of a bit average circulation to my fingers and so they get very stiff and so I'd sort of like wear the gloves um like we'd kind of like work out a thing tune up with the gloves on pull the gloves off hands in front of the radiator and then do another take and it really didn't help that much like i was just in real felt like i was in real crab hands territory like really stiff and kind of just like bumbling around on the fretboard but um yeah i don't know sounds okay (laughs) (laughs) was there like a reason why you had to push the recording to winter yeah it's just these these things kind of happen when they happen and you know people have jobs both us and as in the band and and paul who's in the um in the studio as well as far as he's got he does work he works full-time outside of recording bands and so you kind of have to work out times that work for people and it was one of those things where we kind of set ourselves to record the lion's share of it by you know the the middle of the year and that was the weekend that we kind of had to get in there and get on with it because Shauna was sort of heading away in July she went overseas to do her own thing for like three or four months so that it gave us a kind of okay it needs to kind of be on and happening by this time and then just by chance we decided um we chose community cup weekend to do it not because we don't love the community cup we really love the community cup but it was always going to be the weekend that people weren't going to be booking studio time in Melbourne because <laughs> everyone was playing going yeah you know, that kind of thing and really celebrating it. And for people with busy schedules, sometimes you've got to pick a weekend in which everyone else is off doing something really fun in order <laughs> to go and do, like, your hard work of your thing. Uh, yeah. So uh, that album is going to be out through uh, 
fabulous record label, Poison City Records. Now, you guys signed to them earlier in the year. How did that actually come about? We really like a bunch of bands on Poison City and we kind of got to know Tomo through just hanging out at the old bar and she kind of watched us and you know we became mates and that sort of thing and you hang out and then towards the end of last year we played a show uh with TV Hayes and uh with Pale Heads and uh it was just a bit of a moment where Andy and Tomo were like hey you know where's the record at come have a chat with us send it over to us and it was as simple as that like they just run a really killer independent punk label and they're really wonderful people and that was the thing that kind of does it for us is that you want to work with people who you really like and who you really trust and who you want to do stuff with and when they said they wanted to release it it was a bit of a no-brainer yeah totally when i kind of see poison city i see them as very like community almost diy based sort of thing is being uh with a label and i guess working with a team that has the community um the music community as its best interest something that's important to you as a band it's massive we exist completely within a community of bands uh in melbourne and melbourne is an incredibly wonderful place to come and do your thing as a band as an artist as someone pursuing a project in their life that they want to do it's a kind of cool place because people actually want to support you in doing that and help you out and yeah that community thing of putting on shows together lending each other gear and more importantly, attending each other's shows, like the support from people who actually go to gigs in Melbourne is phenomenal, that people are out there every night of the week giving up their time and their money to help people who are kind of like cutting their teeth and learning their craft is a pretty phenomenal thing to get to be a part of. That is very, very much like core to what we want to do as a band is continue to be part of that uh, community. And so, yeah, working with people who are very much community focused and yeah, DIY in nature is a, is an exciting and nice thing. Yeah. Um, we are about to jump to a track. I do want to talk about the producer just quickly. Now it came across with a really strong narrative. Um, can you explain a little bit about what the song's about? I, I guess I, I can. Um, it's, I, I don't want to speak on Jenny's behalf. She wrote the words for the song and they, you know, obviously have a very personal kind of meaning to her. But to give you like a bit of an idea, it's it's about the music industry, certainly as distinct, but not necessarily completely separate from music communities, uh, is still very much a boys club. And it's still very much run to the tastes of men, whether they're running, you know, large labels, whether they're studio producers, whether they're so-called tastemakers who decide what's cool and what's not cool. They bring their wants and their desires and their tastes of what is good to the fore and they're ultimately the gatekeepers of opportunity for a lot of people um, and people have to then either compromise their art or agree to do things that they would prefer not to do or change the way they want to do things or kind of be left out um, or pushed aside so that's kind of what that song's about yeah well we'll take a listen to it now nick thanks so much for joining us on the shortlist today it was a real pleasure to have you here and uh looking forward to your debut album release on friday may 26th that's right thank you uh rochelle and gloria it's been really lovely to come in and i thought i'd just give a quick plug our album launch is at the tote on friday the 23rd of june people want to come along we've got a wonderful 
lineup of bands that we really love playing, including various asses, uh, Hexdet, Infinite Void, and we've got Cruise Control DJing as well. Tickets have started to move um, pretty swiftly for that one, so I would definitely recommend if people want to come along, which we would love them to do, that they could maybe uh, purchase one in advance. You can find them on the Tote website. Sounds like a great plan. Well, thanks again, Nick. Really appreciate it.